The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Hover. Please visit hover.com slash pawchalk to get 10% off your domain registrations. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash pawchalk. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pawchalk Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from embedded in a fire brigade in 64 AD Rome, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it now. I have to... uh, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program. With Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Parchock, episode 263. This is Lewis Trapani. Hello, hello, hello. I hope everyone is doing well today. I'm doing this solo because of scheduling issues. We're going to get Ken, James, Dave, or Graham, or anyone else really on the show. It's kind of tight right now with the holidays approaching, but... I did promise another show before the Christmas special, and here we go. We got another show for you. So it's going to be a shorter episode than last episode of Doctor Who Pachuk, which was uh, pushing about two hours there. But nonetheless, it's still going to be an exciting one. We have a uh, we're going to go back into the vault once again for another classic interview. This time with none other than Lala Ward, who played the iconic road, who. <laughs> <laughs> who played the iconic role of Romana Two in Doctor Who, of course. So as I mentioned, it's the holidays. Ho 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 ho! Or I don't know, whatever, whatever holiday you may celebrate. Happy Festivus, everyone! And the Doctor Who Christmas special, as we announced previously in past episodes, is coming out on Christmas Day, the twenty fifth of December. That's on BBC and BBC America. Uh, possibly the Space Channel as well in Canada. So now normally we do our live review show the following Sunday after the new episode. Well, this time it falls, you know, Christmas this year falls on a Sunday and the new episode's coming out on a Sunday. And the following Sunday is uh, New Year's Day. So, um, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> talk about scheduling again. Well, I don't know where we're going to schedule the live show. Most likely, I guess, maybe Boxing Day, Monday the 26th. Do, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, do people, are people off on that day? Or will people be willing to listen to our live show, our live review that day on, on that Monday afternoon? Or are people going back to work or, you know, boxing up stuff? I don't know. Well, the following week, unfortunately, as I said, is New Year's. It's the New Year's holiday, so we, it, that's just as cumbersome. And I would imagine the Monday after New Year's Day will probably be even less advantageous because um, I, w- I would imagine more people most likely will have off the day after Christmas, I'm assuming, than the day after New Year's. So um, I guess tentatively it's set for Monday, Boxing Day. That's the 26th of December. And that's the day after it goes out. So uh, I don't know if that gives enough time for everyone to kind of watch it and digest it and all. But I don't know. It's tentative, so we may schedule it maybe in the middle of the week. I don't know. Are people off? Well, probably a lot of people aren't off that week. But, you know, obviously, uh, if you're a student, you're probably off that week. So there hasn't been a lot of news since our last episode. 
the biggest news really falls under the non-news category, which is something that we've all kind of been suspecting and speculating about. And now, if you listen to our most recent shows, we, we've been talking about, you know, about basically we've been talking about Amy Pond and Rory leaving the series. You know, I think it's, I think we all know it's time for <laughs> as much as we love them as characters. I think, you know, it's time for the doctor to meet a new companion. And so Stephen Moffat had tweeted out this week, you know, since our last episode that uh, indeed in the, you know, somewhere in the mid series of the upcoming new series that the ponds will leave. So, um, you know, no big surprise, really. And um, I'm kind of anxious to see what new companion the Doctor will have. You know, I, I think we kind of need to kind of put the whole ponds behind us and and, and move on. And, and again, it's not a criticism against those two characters. It's just I think we've already explored them. And I think it's, you know, it's time to move on. We, we've seen the Eleventh Doctor engage with them. And it'd be kind of interesting and fresh and exciting to see the Eleventh Doctor engage with a new companion. Not much other news outside of that, so we're going to go into our review of the Romans, which we sort of tentatively had planned for last episode, but we ran so long last Doctor Who Podshock episode that we couldn't fit it in, so we're going to squeeze it in here. Maximus, my dear friend. Oh, my dear Caesar Nero. <laughs> I have a surprise for you. <laughs> Guess what it is. Well, now, let me think. Ah. Uh, you want me to play in the arena? Mm. <laughs> you guessed. But it's no problem at all. After all, you want to do your very best for your fellow artists. <laughs> Why not the arena? Mm? <laughs> yes, yes, of course, that, that, that is exactly right. Yes, well, I promise you, I shall try to make it a roaring success. You'll mm. have to play something special, you know. Oh, yes, of course, of course, yes. Something serious, yes. Something that they can really get their teeth into. Hmm? Oh, no, you can't. I've told no one. Caesar Nero, I've always wanted to put on a good show, to give a great performance. But after all, who knows? If I go down well, I might even make it my farewell performance. <laughs> you see, I've always wanted to be considered as an artist of some taste, generally regarded as, uh, well, uh, palatable. Hmm? But I must be bored here. Oh, I must. Surely you have so many other important things to attend to without standing here, chewing over the facts with me. Good gracious, there's something burning. My plans, my drawings for the new room! You fool, you idiot! A lifetime's work! I'll have you both killed over and over again! Guards! Guards! Fool! Idiot! Traitor! Big! Mistaken of the arena on an island with water all round, and in the water there will be alligators, and the water level will be raised, and the alligators will get you, fool, traitor! Brilliant! You are a genius, a genius! I will make you rich, rich! <laughs> so the Senate wouldn't pass my plans, eh? Wouldn't let me build my new Rome. But. If the old one is burnt, if it goes up in flames, they will have no choice. Rome will be rebuilt to my design. Brilliant! Brilliant! <laughs> well, there you are, Elisus. You heard what Nero said. Brilliant! Brilliant! <laughs> Let us go, will you? Otherwise, you'll be getting some of that alligator treatment. Mm -hmm. Go on, on your way. About your business. Go along. Yes, that's William Hartnell playing the first doctor. In a scene where we see his involvement in the Great Fire of Rome, though, you know, he somewhat denies he had, he's involved <laughs> at all with it. And um, in fact, we don't see the Doctor visit Rome again until um, until the 10th Doctor returns. And he makes a comment in that episode as well. But this one is, goes back to the series two of Doctor Who, season two. Um, back to 19... Uh, well, actually, it was 1964. It was, it was actually made, but it went out was televised January through February of 1965. And as I said, it stars uh, William Hartnell as the Doctor, along with William Russell as Ian and Jacqueline Hill as uh, Barbara, and Maureen O'Brien as um, Vicky. This is her first full-on adventure after joining the TARDIS crew. Of course, we were introduced to her in the episode before, in the, the you know, the story before, the, re the rescue. So this takes place in 64 AD in Italy, in Rome, 
But before I go any further, let me say it was directed by Christopher Barry and written by Dennis Spooner. Of course, this is during the Verity Lambert period when she was producer. And it's available on a DVD box set of The Rescue and the Romans together. The Roman stands out as a comedy, really probably the first time Doctor Who kind of explores a comedy element in its storytelling, though it's still a drama. There's still some dramatic scenes within it. It's an historical adventure. It's a pure historical adventure. There's no science fiction or fantasy elements in it, which is not a bad thing. And hey, you know, they traveled back in time and, you know, you have people from the future in the past and you have the doctor who's an alien back in Rome. So even a pure historical adventure has to have some sci-fi in it just by its pure nature of what Doctor Who is. Now, as I said, this is Vicky's uh, first adventure after joining the TARDIS crew, though she doesn't have too much to do in this story. It's more, well, it's more about the Doctor, Barbara and Ian, if, if really, I mean, um at least my take on it. I mean, just not to say that, you know, she doesn't have anything to do in it, but it's not as significant as those other three roles. Now, speaking of companions, as we record this, it was just a couple days ago, it was the birthday of Jaclyn Hill. And coincidentally, rehearsals for episode one of this story took place during her birthday as well. She had turned 35 at that time. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us. And you know, that's sad to say. William Russell, who plays Ian, is still with us, and he appears in the DVD um, doing commentary. He, along with director Christopher Barry and Raymond Cusack, uh, do a commentary track throughout the episodes. I believe there was one other, too, which his name escapes me now. So this story, as I said, takes place in Rome in 64 AD. It doesn't shy away from the horrors of that time period, including slavery, assassins, bloody Colosseum events. In fact, the clip you just heard there was um, uh, Caesar Nero was uh, planning to... uh, Well, first, let me just back up and say that the doctor... His mistake. There's a mistaken identity going on with the Doctor. He's mistaken as a character named Maximus. And at this point in the story, Caesar Nero is about to uh, planning on on having him perform. Maximus is a musician, having him perform. Uh, I think at the Colosseum, and he was going to uh, unleash the lions as he performs to uh, to get rid of him. And that's why Hartnell, well, uh, the first doctor there knew of that. And that's why he was playing all those puns. You know, sometimes uh, longtime Gallifrey Embassy ambassadors at one time nicknamed me the Celestial Pun Maker. And I, I think that title should go to to the first doctor in that scene because he was uh, making one pun after the other, tipping off Nero to um, his uh, his plans and that he was aware of. So as I said, this is a a bit of a romp here in this story. I mean, it does have some serious scenes and aspects to it, though there's a lot of a lot of scenes that are played up for comedy. Uh, the Doctor and and Vicky pair off, and Ian and Barbara pair off, uh, though they are split up. Uh, that is, uh, Barbara and Ian split up, um, as, you know, after they pair off. But basically, the story is told with the two with both the Doctor and Vicky in, in telling one story and Ian and Barbara, even though they do split up, they're sort of telling their own story. And the two parties, you know, as I said, have their own adventures in Rome without meeting each other. So that's going on. And, uh, you know, it's like as soon as one leaves a room, the other one enters, that sort of thing is going on. Uh, there's some comical chase sequences between Nero and 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 Barbara and um it's just there's just stuff like that where they were again kind of pushing the envelope and seeing where they can go with Doctor Who and trying to uh, see where what they can do with the format Hartnell does some some physical fighting when he's uh fighting off an assassin and later we see him uh basically shirtless uh, almost topless he's wearing a robe but uh, it's rare to see the Doctor in any carnation bare-chested, so, uh, let alone the first Doctor. But, you know, it does happen. <laughs> the answer is, of course, is not to be caught playing it. <laughs> oh, you want a pint? Hey, 
you have to come in and interrupt just as I got him all softened up and ready for the old one too you're all right then. all right of course I'm all right my child you know I am so constantly outwitting the opposition I tend to forget the delights and satisfaction of the arts the gentle art of fisticuffs now he says the gentle arts of fisticuffs there in that scene there which um I think I cut off there at, at the tail end there the gentle arts of fisticuffs which uh for those um that may not be aware that's uh, basically fist fighting you know <laughs> yeah that's something the doctor's well known for when he's not outwitting the well actually John Pertwee the third doctor will become known as the probably the the, the most physical doctor you know probably going forward and 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 pass you know before him so yeah a prelude to the third doctor there now the two others that were in the commentary you heard me mention the commentary before included with william russell and christopher barry the director is also two other actors nick evans and barry jackson and it was moderated by uh, toby haddock uh, who also moderated the commentary in The Rescue as well, which is also included on this DVD set. The extras include What Has the Romans Ever Done for Us? It also has Roma Parva. Another extra called Dennis Spooner, Want to Write a Television Series? Another extra called Girls, 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 the 1960s, which is a retrospective about female companions on Doctor Who. There's a segment of Blue Peter included as well, which explores romans and how they banquet you know back in that time period of course in the usual photo gallery as well if you want to hear the review of we, we sort of did a makeshift review of the rescue in dr who Pottrack episode 260 so you can go back and listen to our review of that overall these are episodes uh, uh story rather story 11 and story 12 of, of dr who chronologically it's the uh, as i said it's the second series of doctor who 19 this was originally transmitted january 2nd through february 6th of 1965 it's um almost what 46 yeah 40 uh, and, and next week will be its 46th anniversary so it's kind of timely that we're reviewing this right now no actually 47th anniversary January 2nd is probably the rescue, the second, and then the following week after that, the part two of the rescue. So um, that, that's why it spans six weeks there. So this is a fun episode. It's, you know, it's probably not my favorite. I know many for many it is. And, you know, it does take a bit of a comedy romp there. And it's, it's like I said, it's fun. I'm going to give it three and a half Tardis groans out of five. I, I sort of like the rescue better, maybe because it's more science fiction. Nothing against a pure historical adventure. I enjoy them just as much. And um, I said this isn't bad. It's it, by no means is um, am I, you know, giving it a bad review. It's fun to watch. It's um, oh, also I should <clears throat> I would be remiss by not mentioning Derek Francis playing Nero, who does an excellent performance there. You know, he he plays uh, Nero. You know, he plays the comedy elements very well, but then he also plays his uh, darker side very well. You know, there's some scenes, there's some really dark scenes where he just takes takes a life without a second thought, you know. And that's, um, again, they don't shy away from that. Like I, I said earlier, there's, uh, there's slavery and uh, the characters are sold off into that. And uh, there's uh, someone that that's... Um, the chief poison, I forget what her title was, but there was poisonist or something like that. His uh, job was to um, <laughs> to create poisons and to poison foods. And, you know, of, of course, in that time period, you had food tasters and it's, um, you know, as much luxury and joy they had, you know, sitting around and peeling grapes and <laughs> living it up. They also had a lot of horrific things going on as well so again that's sort of all explored in this story 
So overall, the rescue and the romance together, it's a fine DVD set. I would I would recommend them both as a package and probably as a DVD set as a whole. I, w- I would give it maybe four, maybe four and a half Tardis groans out of five. So it's, you know, together, it's an important story because it does introduce Vicky as a companion who's the really the first companion, um, first new companion since um, the unearthly child. So we'll be right back with more Doctor Who Podshock. This is Colin Baker, your favorite doctor, and you are listening to Podshock. Drink here, eh? Master. Hello, Mike. There we are, though. How's that? You're going to give us a song, can I? Affirmative. <coughs> we wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas and a happy new year. <laughs> we all like pudding. We all like pudding. We all like pudding. Can I, can, can, can I, can I, what would you like for Christmas? Master, I have decided I would like enough ball bearings to last the series through and fewer sill irons on the floors of the planets we visit. <laughs> Master, yeah. a question. Yeah. What is your desire at Christmas? And what do I desire for this holiday season? I desire to register and transfer some domain names with Hover. What is a domain name? Well, as I said in our last episode, podshock.net is an example of a domain name. Gallifreyandembassy.org is another. It's basically a internet address. It's the top-level internet address in a URL when you type a URL into your web browser and it takes you there. It's also uh, your part of your email address, you know. It's and what better gift if you're or and forget about even you can give it as a gift, but you can also get it for yourself. You can register, as I mentioned last time, if you have a blog or a podcast, and you definitely want to have a domain name registered with that with your your brand, you know, and your blog is your brand and your podcast is your brand. You definitely want to have a domain registered for that. And even if you don't have a website or a blog or a podcast, your name, you want to register your name as a domain name, you know, and if your name's not available, maybe you have some, some children, you want to get their names locked down as well. And Hover is the place to get it. You don't want to wait on this. And you want to register it as soon as possible to secure that name. And even if they're too young to right now to appreciate it, they'll thank you in the future when they have their own domain name with their name on it. Hover makes registering domain names clean, simple, and easy. There's no upselling. As I said, it's clean, it's secure, it's friendly. You can go there and get your domain clear and simple. And for you listeners of Dr. Pachuk, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations when you go to hover.com slash pachuk. Again, that's hover.com slash pachuk, and you'll get an extra 10% off your domain name registration. Hover is part of Two Cows, a company that has been around since 1994. It's one of the largest domain name registers in the world. They have outstanding customer support. They have a large knowledgeable, wonderful team that takes a lot of pride in solving problems. They're there to help to support you if you need it. So what are you waiting for? There's no time like the present and there's no domain register like Hover. Go to hover.com slash pawchalk and you'll get 10% off your domain registration. You don't need to have your own website or your own podcast to have a domain name. You could simply use it for email if you like. Though if you do have a podcast or a website, you definitely want to have a domain name registered with that name. Once again, that's hover.com slash podshock, and we'd like to thank Hover for sponsoring this episode of Doctor Who Podshock.
Now, as promised, we're taking the TARDIS back to the 19, well, to the mid-1980s with a classic interview with Lala Ward. Lala Ward, who was not only Mrs. Tom Baker at one point, the fourth Doctor, she actually played two roles, but she is mostly known for playing Ramana II, which is the second incarnation of Ramana. This interview is courtesy of Chuck Rabb. This was recorded for the Chuck Rabb Show. So we want to thank Charles Rabb and Rabb Productions for allowing us to share this interview with you. Lala, I would like to know, what is it like to portray a companion on Doctor Who? <laughs> um, well, it's unlike any other part one's likely to do. It's difficult in the sense that you're basically obviously not as important as the Doctor, and so you have to work, in a way, doubly hard to make something exciting of it, you know? It's fun. I loved it. I had a great time doing it. Did you find there were any advantages to being a Time Lord as opposed to a regular companion? Oh, yes. You have two hearts, for instance. I mean, it's wonderful. You can sort of get into some disaster with one heart, and you can still keep beating. <laughs> How about with your interaction with the Doctor's character? I just, I mean, I honestly didn't go about it thinking well, I'm a time lady and therefore I can do this, that and the other and so forth. I just worked out a personality that I thought would be the sort of girl she should be, that kids would find amusing. It was totally different from anything to do with what Mary did because I felt there was no point trying to make her the same in any way. I, I'm not the same. I can't do what Mary's so good at. Mary's, Mary's got this wonderful sort of glamorous quality which I'm hopeless at. I mean, I look a total wreck. I can't, <laughs> I can't do all that. You know? And I, so I thought the way for me to tackle it was to make it much more funny and amusing, you know, and that sort of thing, and, and bright and intelligent, if possible, <laughs> but um, basically sort of funnier than Mary. Okay, were you allowed to develop the character then on your own? Yes, I mean, I was very much allowed, for instance, to develop what I, the clothes I wore and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, they were marvellous, all the designers on Doctor Who, because they used to come in to me and say, um, well, Nala, we've been thinking about what you should wear for this next story, and we think you should be in sort of silver Lurex jumpsuit with um, high heel boots and your hair done up and everything. And I'd say, well, that's fine, but actually I rather saw myself in school uniform. Would that do? And they'd say, oh, um, yeah, that's interesting. Why not? Yes, good. Good idea. Why not? We'll have school uniform. So I did things like... And I chose things like school uniform because I thought it'd be really nice to wear things that children... I mean, in that particular case, to wear something that children are forced to wear. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'll get lots of letters, you know, from their mothers saying, it's wonderful now because little so-and-so doesn't mind going to school in her school uniform anymore because you wear it. In fact, I got lots of letters from the fathers saying, "Core school uniform, <laughs> So I wasn't <laughs> expecting at all. But uh, that sort of thing, I had a lot of say in, and they were wonderful about letting me do what I wanted. Okay, but when you had a script, was there ever a time that you felt the way you wanted the character to go was not the direction that was dictated in the script? Yes, occasionally. I mean, not, a, not in a major sense, like mm -hmm. a story being something I wouldn't do or... But the odd little lines and, and incidences, you know, which I felt I was made to say things that simply didn't trip off the tongue in the way I, I wanted them to for my mm -hmm. character. And in that sense, one just changed bits of dialogue here and there. They were very good about letting us do that. Tom and I changed lots of things, particularly in all our sort of two-handed scenes. You know, we'd change dialogue and, and make it the way we thought was funny and, and, and more us. So you were looking for the humorous mm. end of it as well, mm. the children? I was very conscious always of the little children who watch it. I don't know what it's like in this country, but in England, I mean, the age group that watches Doctor Who is phenomenal. It's from sort of three-year-olds to, to kind of 73-year-olds and more, you know. And, and I was very conscious of the fact that I wanted to please the little children as well as the bigger ones, and so I, I made an effort to do that. I think in doing that, it has helped please everybody. We have the same situation here, 3 to 73, like yeah. you say. Yes, definitely. Mm. Do you remember any scenes where the sequences were particularly difficult for you to film? Well, they're generally not very helpful locations on Doctor Who. You're always stuck in some freezing quarry pit somewhere, <laughs> you know, and tripping over your scarf and frozen to death or boiling hot in some great pit coat, you know. But that's fairly normal on most locations. <laughs> it's just that quarry pits are slightly less inviting than some other places one might have been to. In that sense, it was quite often difficult in the sense that it was uncomfortable. Have you done any conventions before this one that you're in? No, nope. this is a first. I've <laughs> not done any. I haven't done any in England or here. I've never been to the States before. You've never so even I've done, done, say, personal appearances for autographs while you were doing no. the role? No, not really. Um, no, I mean, obviously, whenever you go on location somewhere, people come to you and, and, and you sign autographs. But I've never done an actual session thing. Right. So this is the first time. Mm. Kate, this is three years later, too. I know. It's terrifying, you know, because... People ask you questions about 
specific bits of dialogue in a script you did sort of four years ago, and you're thinking, oh, my God, I couldn't remember the line at the time, and now I don't even remember ever saying it. <laughs> when you left, had you any idea that later on down the road you might be making appearances for the program? Not really. I mean, no, I didn't really think about it either way. It's very nice when you're asked, and it's a sort of surprise, you know? Okay, you're also an artist, mm. and you paint and draw. Mm. Do you still have time to do that? I've been doing nothing but that this year. I've actually virtually stopped acting. I mean, I haven't given up in the sense that I do want to act again, but nothing's come up that I've wanted to do more than some of the drawing things I've done this year. Yes. So I've done that. So you're spending your time on... At the moment, yeah. Artwork. You have done other TV roles, like mm. Duchess of Duke Street and some stage work, like yeah. the rehearsal. Which do you prefer? What, between television and stage? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm one of those English actresses that all other English actresses faint in horror when I say I prefer television to the theatre. It's absolutely not done in England to prefer the movies or television, you know, to, to theatre. There's such a tradition of theatre in England. Mm -hmm. And they all faint with horror when you say, you know... You're supposed to say when somebody says, what's a role you really want to play? You're supposed to say, um, Juliet and Romeo and Juliet. And I always appall everybody by saying, well, what I'd really like to do is be a guest artist in Hawaii 5 or something, <laughs> and they can't bear it. <laughs> so why do you prefer television over stage? I love all the technicalities, for one thing, which, um, God knows, one had more in Doctor Who of that sort of thing than in right. most other programmes. And most actors would sort of sit there going, oh, isn't it boring? It's so boring. It takes so long to like this thing because it's meant to be on the other I loved all that. And I love the business of acting in close-up rather than projecting to the back row of a thousand-seat theatre kind of setup. You know? Okay, being interested in the technical details, did you ever consider, say, directing? No. No? <laughs> Nothing on that end? No, I, I mean, I like other people to tell me what to do, and I, I know that what I'm best at is what I do do. Um, and I, I'm full of admiration for directors. I think they're fabulous the way they can sort of orchestrate all these things. I would just faint in horror in a corner and panic. You know? I wouldn't be able to do that at all. What about other outside interests? I read like mad. I love reading. I read everything. I read and read and read. Um, drawing, you see, I mean, it's just such a passion. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I can do it as a job as well, but it does take up a lot of my time. I go to the cinema quite a lot. Um, I watch television. I don't watch very much drama on television. I watch a lot of documentaries. We have terrific documentaries in mm -hmm. Um I particularly love... I watch the wildlife programs a lot because I draw animals a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I record things like... I watch David Attenborough. Do you get his programs here? I think we do. He did a series called Life on Earth and, and things like that, which I just adore. I mean, I'll not go out to stay in and watch David Attenborough do Life on Earth. Um, and the other, my only other real obsession is the opera. Do you have any particular favourite operas? Um, well, I guess we sort of phases. Like, um, I love all the popular ones. You know, it's very hard not to love them. And then I became completely passionate last year about Wagner and saved up money to go and see the Ring Cycle at Covent Garden and things like that. And um, I'm, I don't know an enormous amount about it. I'm learning all the time. But I, I mean, I love all those operas, like Madame Butterfly and you know all the other ones. I'm going to see Carmen on Monday night here, which is a thrill beyond belief. So you're going to get out while you're here, too? I, well, yes, I seem to be. I'll believe it when it happens. <laughs> I haven't got out yet. Do you have any favorite authors, since you read so much? Yes, I have a lot of favorite authors. I mean, I love a lot of the classics. I, I go through, again, I go through kind of phases where I love, I love American, modern American authors. I adore mm -hmm. Joseph Heller, and I love Saul Bellow, um, all those sort of authors, and Naylor, and, you know, all the people... There's no English equivalent to that. There's no to that sort of energy and that kind of writing. Um, and I love all the English classics like Jane Austen. I think is a wonder. I love all the Russians like Tolstoy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very sort of open Catholic tastes about <laughs> <laughs> writing. Now that you're into your artwork for a while, um, is there anything particular that you're looking for in a role that might spark your interest to act again? Yes, I mean, there are lots of things one, one wants to do. I'd, I'd love to do... England's very difficult, for instance, to do films in England. Mm -hmm. They don't make that many. There are obviously far more parts for men always than there are for women. It's very, very hard for women to get parts in films. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to do some more. I've done a little, but really not very much. And that's one of those things that either happens or it doesn't, and I'm really not going to sit in a corner worrying about it. If it, if it does, it's nice. Um, and as far as television is concerned, what we do best, I think, in England are programs like The Duchess of Duke Street and 
Shakespeare's. They are very good. We, we have had that here. Mm. We did a lot mm. of the masterpiece theater type. I think we did them very, very well, and I love doing them. You know, they're sort of, they're, they are soap of a kind, things like Duchess of Duke Street, but they're kind of, they're what I think of as sort of classical soap. Right, there's a definite difference mm. in the quality. And I think we do them very, very well, and I love being, in, I, was, I was wonderfully happy doing the Duchess of Duke Street. It was heavenly. In a way, I'd rather do that sort of role than play the classics, like, I mean, I did do Ophelia for the BBC, but mm -hmm. in Hamlet, but I don't really have a great ambition to play all those classical parts, because there are so many people who've done them so brilliantly in the past. So you feel as though you would be competing? Well, I feel it's not in the, in the sense of the competition, but I can't see the point, you know? They've been done so well, and I know that's a terrible attitude, and if everybody felt that, there'd be no more theatre, but <laughs> there are loads of other people who do badly want to do them, so I think I'll leave them to do it. <laughs> do what you feel you're best at. Mm. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Very nice meeting you. Thank you. The lovely Lala Ward. I had the pleasure of meeting Lala back in what 1985, so 26 years ago. It was TARDIS 22 in Chicago, a great convention there. Colin Baker was there as well, and John Pertwee, as well as Patrick Troughton. And, well, I'm not going to go through the whole guest list, but it was a good convention. Lala Ward was very approachable, very warm and friendly. I didn't have a chance to interview her, so I'm very much appreciative of this interview here. Now, as I mentioned, she played Romana. She pl picked up the role after Mary Tam left the part. So uh, she was the second incarnation of, you know, Romana, sometimes known as Romana II. A time lady, just like the Doctor. Well, the Doctor's not a time lady. The Doctor's a time lord. But you know what I mean. As I mentioned, she also played another part in Doctor Who before becoming Romana. She was uh, Princess Astria in uh, the Armageddon Factor, a 1979 story. And as I mentioned, she was married to Tom Baker for a brief while there, I think from 1980 to 1982. And Tom Baker's not the only notable person that she's been married to. She's currently married to Richard Dawkins, who um, is uh, very well known as a... Um, evolutionary biologist so she's uh currently married to him from uh you know since 1992 to current time and and as she alluded to in this interview she's a illustrator as well once again i want to thank chuck rab and chuck rab productions for allowing us to represent this interview for you dr bachok listeners we hope to bring you more interviews like this one in the future so keep on listening to dr who Pachak. And when you're not listening to Doctor Who Podshock, what could you be listening to? Great digital audiobooks. And where can you get great digital audiobooks? From Audible. They're the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including sci-fi and fantasy, but they also have business, romance, thrillers, comedy, and, well, basically, you name the genre, they have it covered. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, well, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Pachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you decide it's not for you, you still can, you still can keep your free audiobook. Now, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash pawchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pawchalk for your free audiobook. You know, and it's this time of the year again where, you know, it's tis the season, as they say, you know, where you may be singing Silent Night and watching the silent stars go by. And that will be our recommendation or referral that we usually do with Audible. Doctor Who... The Silent Stars Go By. It's by Dan Abnett, and it's narrated by Michael Maloney. The Doctor, the 11th Doctor that is, encounter an old nemesis, the Ice Warriors. Along with Amy and Rory, they find a society breaking apart, and then the Doctor's old enemies, as I said, the Ice Warriors, make their move. With the cold-hearted threat of invasion, the real battle for survival begins, or does it? The Doctor suspects that behind everything lies a deadlier, even more chilling danger. Let's hear a little bit from that now. In the bleak midwinter. That, said Amy, unable to disguise a slight note of surprise, was a perfect landing. I thank you for noticing, replied the Doctor. He beamed. 
and flipped a row of console switches to their off positions with the flourish of a maestro organist, shutting down his Wurlitzer after a career-defining performance. "'Then why are we leaning?' asked Rory. "'Leaning?' asked the doctor, polishing the glass and the console dials with a handkerchief. "'Over,' said Rory. "'To one side.' "'We're not,' said the doctor. "'Stand up straight,' said Amy. They all did. They all looked at themselves in relation to the guardrail uprights. "'Ah,' said the doctor. "'That is leany,' he conceded. "'Perhaps not as perfect as I first imagined,' he added. "'Leany?' asked Amy. "'Well, leanish, at the very least,' replied the doctor, "'sliding down the handrail of the stairs to reach the TARDIS main deck. "'We're allowed to make up words now, are we?' asked Rory. "'I thought that was well established,' said Amy. "'Look, it doesn't matter,' said Rory, following Amy down the control room stairs. "'It wasn't a complaint, the leaning thing.' "'Leanish,' the doctor and Amy corrected him together. "'Whatever!' said Rory. It wasn't a complaint. I wasn't complaining. Lean all you like. I just want to check that we're in the right place. We can be leaning in the right place. That's fine, as long as we're in the right place. Are we in the right place? The doctor stopped at the TARDIS door, turned to face Rory, and placed a reassuring hand on his shoulder. He peered into Rory's eyes. Rory Williams Pond, said the doctor. Not my actual name, said Rory. "'Rory Williams Pond, did I not promise to get you back home for Christmas?' "'Yes. Back home to Earth for Christmas?' "'Yes. Directly to Ledworth, near Gloucester. A bub 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 the doctor chided. "'Specifics. Mere specifics. Home for Christmas. That was the deal, right?' "'Yes,' Rory agreed. "'Doesn't the margin for interpretation seem huge now?' Amy asked him. She was pulling on wellies and a duffel coat. I mean, he's not even guaranteeing a street address, so which Christmas he's talking about becomes a bit vague, too. Oh, I hadn't even considered that, groaned Rory. Home for Christmas is what I promised, declared the doctor. Home for Christmas is what I will deliver, even if there has to be some leaning involved. He looked at Amy. Duffel, Pond? She was buttoning the toggles. Hello, Christmas, Ledworth, Chili? she replied. Good point, said the doctor. He looked thoughtful and twiddled his bow tie as though it doubled as a thermostatic control. I had a fur coat somewhere, he reflected. Big fur coat, very warm. Uh, I bet he's referring to that big fur coat that the second doctor used to wear. So, um, yeah, that's uh, this is Doctor Who, The Silent Stars Go By. And it's our recommendation or referral for your free audiobook, but you can choose anything you like. Simply go to audibletrial.com slash pachock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachock for your free audiobook. And if you're driving or you weren't able to get that URL down, well, simply go to pachock.net. We have ads there and refer links to this offer. Sounds pretty interesting. Meeting up with Ice Warriors again, just in time for the holidays. Now, last time on Talk to Pachuk, we ran out of time and we didn't get to get to feedback as we had hoped. So um, normally I don't do feedback if I'm doing the show solo because I just feel that we should have at least uh, Ken or James or uh, Graham or Dave here with us to do feedback. And unfortunately, um, they're not here with me now. So, uh, But the feedback is getting older and older. And I just thought we'd get to a couple of those feedback messages Uh we won't be able to get to all the feedback that's pending right now, but hopefully we'll get to yours sooner or later. <laughs> we do apologize uh, if if they do um, sometimes collect a little dust, a little. But time is all relative for Time Lords and Time Ladies and fans of Doctor Who. And that's the topic of this first feedback message from Greg in Florida. Hey guys, this is Greg from Florida calling. Uh, I'm a little bit behind on listening to the podcast. I was just recently uh, listening to the the one you had um, before the new season started. You were reviewing Black Orchid and stuff. And there was one uh, comment that you, somebody had sent in that was criticizing uh, Lewis about his knowledge of uh, Doctor Who stuff. And I just wanted to say that you know, nobody has a right to. Uh, I mean, people can say whatever they want, you know, free speech and all. But uh, you know, I don't think it's right for somebody to to be. Um, setting up their own standard of judgment as to what another, uh, what level of knowledge another fan should have. 
you know, you guys have been doing a podcast. You're doing a great job and doing it for a long time and more power to you. And, you know, no matter who you are, there's always going to be somebody who has a little bit more knowledge about certain fan things or a little bit less knowledge. And it's just what all, the only thing that matters is that you, you love the show, that's obvious, you know, and you're having fun. And uh, people can discuss stuff, and that's fine. Um, so, you know, I just say don't take it too hard if, if somebody's criticizing uh, your um, level of knowledge about uh, the show. And, and I also wanted to say that it seems to me like Doctor Who is... Um, Doctor Who fans are some of the nicest fans, I think, that, um, that they very seldom do I see Doctor Who fans being really overly critical of each other, uh, that they're usually very, very civil, very kind, very nice, sharing with one another and understanding that different people have discovered the show at different times, you know, and uh, have different levels of experience with the show. Everybody has their own favorite doctor and stuff, and, and everybody usually understands that and is cool with that, and uh, that's one thing I really like about Doctor Who is that the um, the fans uh, really seem to be really very kind, very nice to each other. And uh, anyway, so just wanted to um, to say that. And um, otherwise, uh, I'm just really loving the show. It's a great time to be a Doctor Who fan because it seems like they are uh, upping the level of craziness. So they're trying to top themselves as to how crazy they can be with the the, um, the plots and the premises uh, every time. You know, we have had Nixon and we had Hitler, and it's it is crazy stuff, man. And uh, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Uh, you guys take care. Thanks a lot. Bye. Yes, thank you, Greg. And I do remember that feedback uh, a while ago. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't offended. I'm quite secure in my knowledge of um, of who I am, of being a Doctor Who fan, and my knowledge of Doctor Who. I never claimed to be a Doctor Who expert, never, ever. So, uh, but, you know, I've been watching and enjoying Doctor Who for most of my life, and I just I didn't grow up with it. I discovered it as a teenager, and um, you know became more and more engrossed with it, and um, found it the Gallifrey Embassy back in 1985, and you know, and at the time I was consuming, you know, uh, watching it all the time, consuming books and magazines, and you couldn't get enough Doctor Who, and you know that's still the case now. You still can't get enough Doctor Who, and um, but that said, you know, I don't eat, breathe, sleep. <laughs> and drink Doctor Who. You know, I have other interests in life too, and you know, and that takes up time and as well. And I, you know, and there are fans that do eat, sleep, and drink Doctor Who, and that's fine too. You know, and that's all good. You know, there there are fans that can, um, you know, that have all, like all the episode uh, production codes memorized and can tell you episode M is the Romans, and I only know that because we re I reviewed the Romans in this episode. Normally, I wouldn't know that, but uh, there are some fans that will, and that's fine. That's it's all part of the enjoyment and love that we have for the series. So uh, this particular listener was upset that I, um, I, I don't think I had pronounced one of the guest actors in last year's uh, Christmas special properly. I wasn't familiar with the actor. I know the actor is very big in the UK, not so much in the US, and that's just a cultural difference there. And maybe there was some other point that he had made. And I don't know, he's no longer, according to that message that he left, he's no longer listening to Dr. Upachak. So um, I doubt he's hearing this now and can respond further to it. But yeah, everyone's at different levels of fandom. You know, there are new fans that are discovering the fan, discovering the show right now. And, you know, they may not know who Lala Ward is, who we, you know, we had in this show as, a, you know, with an interview. They may not know who Tom Baker or Colin Baker is. And that's fine, too. That's all part of the discovery. I enjoyed, you know, when I discovered Doctor Who, Doctor Who was... You know, when I became a, a, like a fan of Doctor Who, uh, big time is basically around the 20th anniversary of Doctor Who. So uh, there was a lot of years of Doctor Who that I wasn't familiar with. So it was, you know, I came on, you know, the, the PBS stations that were showing Doctor Who was with uh, Tom Baker. So I was basically familiar with Tom Baker onwards and not so much with uh, William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee at that time. And, you know, I enjoyed consuming magazines and books and any knowledge I could, you know, podcasts weren't around that time. So, uh, but anything else that I could, you know, consume to get knowledge about those three doctors that had, you know, eluded me in the U.S., eventually they were shown here, but at that time in the early 80s, uh, they, they weren't available. So, um, and that's all part of the fun of it, you know, and 
And yeah, but I do agree with you, Greg. Doctor Who fans are are mostly all kind and generous and fun people. You know, of course, they're going to be a small minority that that may not be. But, you know, that's with any group, you know, and you find that with, you know, tech heads or any group. You're always going to find some people that are going to be snobbish, whatever. But Thankfully, the majority of Doctor Who fans are not that way, and they're a fun group. And if if you go to a Doctor Who convention, you'll you'll see that firsthand. And so it's all good. I'm certainly not critical to any Doctor Who fan on any level of fandom they're at, because they're all different levels of fandom. As I think that's what I said in my original reply to that to that uh, feedback at that time. And now he has another piece of feedback, which is also from Greg in Florida. Hey, this is Greg calling. Uh, shout out to all of uh, the fellow members of the Tempest Future Club from the University of Florida back in the mid-80s. Hey, uh, i got a question. i got a friend who um, I've uh, introduced to Doctor Who, and he's getting really into it, so that's always great. Um, the thing is that uh, I'm kind of wondering about if I'm going about it the right way, because I'm showing him um, a lot of you know my favorite episodes from different doctors. And, you know, I think most people would say it's, it's kind of true that you never forget your first doctor. And, you know, that's uh, when you're getting into Doctor Who... It's a memorable time in your life, and um, I'm wondering if I should be more gentle with him and, and only show him just, you know, the most current doctor or just episodes from one doctor if it's going to kind of befuddle him if I'm showing him all of these different uh, eras um, one after another. Uh, just wondering what you guys thought about that. Um, all right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you once again, Greg. That's an excellent question. You know, we often fall guilty of doing this as well when people ask about you know what episodes they should show a new doctor someone that they want to introduce doctor who fans to and sometimes we'll say either a multi-doctor story to kind of get them introduced to like all the different flavors of the doctor all at once um i'm not sure if that's the best decision sometimes we'll say oh well here's uh the best one of this period and the best one of you know each doctor you know and pick out you know some of the best ones of each and you know and say well you can show them one of each of these and that might be, you know, in hindsight, as you said, could be overwhelming. Could, you know, I think you probably have a good point here. You probably the the person probably wants to sink their teeth into one doctor, and I think maybe changing doctors too quickly, too often, too soon might be a bad thing. You know, might not. Well, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it might not be conducive to getting someone hooked onto the program. You know, whereas let's say they get hooked onto uh let's just, Matt Smith is the current doctor. So let's uh, just say Matt Smith if they enjoy him and get into the program and now they want to explore other doctors, then we can kind of after the kind of get their after they get their roots kind of in the program, you know, then we can go back into a past doctors and pull out some best episodes or do a multi-doctor story or something like that. I think that might be the best way to do it. Get them kind of hooked onto one particular doctor, whoever that may be. And that might vary depending on the person. As I responded to your previous feedback, my first doctor was Tom Baker. That was the only doctor available, you know, that was being shown in the U.S. on PBS stations. <clears throat> And before that, excuse me, um, before that, he was on um, on a local syndicated channel. It wasn't even PBS that was showing uh, like the first four series of um, Tom Baker's. So that was my introduction to Doctor Who. And, and probably a lot of people my age, that was their first introduction as well, Tom Baker. And it's true, you never forget your first Doctor. You may have other favorite Doctors that are not your first Doctor, as I do. I mean, I but I, you still have a special place in your heart or hearts for your first Doctor. That was the person that, that was the Doctor that introduced you to this whole world of Doctor Who. Now, what Doctor that may be, it could depend on, on the person. And I, I don't know how to kind of gauge that. If you kind of know the person and, and I don't know if they like quirky. Well, they're all quirky. <laughs> they're all the doctors. are, So it's kind of hard to tell. But if they're more if well, if their taste leans more towards today's television and, and fast paced storytelling, maybe the current doctors are, uh, you know, when I say current doctors, plural, I mean, uh, Christopher Eccleston onwards, you know, any of those three uh current doctors you know even though they're not all current but you know what i'm saying uh since the series came back in 2005 may, maybe that might fit the bill better 
if they're if, you know if they enjoy older movies and uh, older programs and classic television maybe go back to to that and have that as their introduction to doctor who so it kind of depends on the person really you know uh, there are certain people that that enjoy current stuff and the other people that kind of um <laughs> have one foot back in the you know in the classic era you know and it doesn't when i say classic era maybe they're they're they're, they're into uh nick at night or antenna tv or you know watching older television series or older movies and can appreciate story you know slower storytelling and if that's the case then some of the older doctors might be the better choice if others have uh, an opinion on this, we'd like to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback. And I know we have other feedback to get to, but the show is now running almost an hour here. I promised myself I was going to keep this under an hour because you don't want to hear me alone talking for that long. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, send your feedback to us. We want to hear what you have to say. You can call the Pachak Public Call Box at 206-984-3543. Or you can uh, record, you know, your feedback. You know, many of the smartphones, including the iPhone, will have a voice memo feature. You can uh, record a voicemail and send it to us. You can uh, send it to feedback at pachak.net. And this is an audio podcast, so we always do prefer, you know, if you could send it to us in a audio format so we can play it on the show. So once again, the Pachak Public Call Box is 206-984-3543. And that is a voicemail system. And you can go to pachok.net and there's a tab on the top there for feedback. And that will give you other options on sending in feedback. Now, before we wrap things up, I did mention before about Doctor Who fans and Doctor Who fandom. And you can go to a Doctor Who convention and experience that firsthand, the delight of Doctor Who fans and Doctor Who fandoms and the generosity and um, the kindness and fun that fans have together. And one of those uh, conventions is um, is Gallifrey One, which is an annual convention that takes place every February in California, in Los Angeles. And every year we are the uh, we do a live show there, and we've been doing that for the last few years. And we would like to go back this year. When I say this year, I'm talking about 2012, this coming year in February. And the only way we can do that is with your support. And you know, you heard me say this in past episodes, and it's very much the case. We can't get back there without your support. Uh, it's, it comes down to funding and it's, you know, I was just talking about PBS stations and I sound like a PBS pledge driver and I do apologize for that, but it's, um, unfortunately, um, they, the airlines won't give us a free ride. The hotel won't give us a free board. Uh, the, the convention doesn't even give us a, a, a free admission. And not that it's a problem because it's very affordable, but the other stuff isn't. So though Gallifrey One is not expensive, everything else that's involved with getting to the convention is. So we really need your help in order to get there. And what we're going to try to do is uh, set up a something on our website, a gauge or something that you can contribute. Right now we have donate button there you can go to our website and donate what we really like you to consider is becoming a Pachak supporting subscriber you can learn how to become one by going to our website uh, gallifreyandembassy.org or pachak.net or arttrap.com and you can click on the top there on the top banner there on how to become a Pachak supporting subscriber and for a low monthly fee you'll be helping us out and we hopefully you know we'll give you extra episodes and other benefits that we can offer you and you'll be helping to us to you'll be helping us continue to grow this show and continue the show and and hopefully get us to Gallifrey at this rate though we're going to need more than that so uh, we hope that you can allow us to get back to Gallifrey one and uh we want to thank you for your support for those those that have been supporting subscribers all this time and continue to be one if you let your membership lapse and please consider reconsider becoming a supporter again once again go to uh, pachak.net or gallifreyandembassy.org both will bring you to the same website and you'll see a banner on the top there on how to become a supporting subscriber it's a small monthly fee that will help us continue and grow the show once again, thank you for uh, considering that, and thank you for being a member if you are one now. So Ken and James aren't here right now to wish you a happy holidays, but we're going to, um, through time travel, <laughs> we're going to go back some years, and uh, here's uh, Ken and James wishing you a happy and healthy holidays, and as I do as well. It's hard to believe it's that time of the year again. Hope you enjoy the Christmas special. And again, we want to hear back from you if uh, we want to do a live show reviewing that. If Boxing Day is 
good for you. Let us know on our website or send us feedback or, you know, whatever. Email us. Uh, most likely that's probably when we're going to do it. But stay tuned to our website, podshock.net, for further details on that. You can join our live show at talkshoe.com and join in on the live conversation on, and live review of it. If not, it will be available on the feed shortly after that. But oh, boys. Anyway, I, I want to wish on. you both a happy Christmas and uh, look forward exactly to talking to you in the new year. Yes. Definitely. Have a fantastic one, guys. And same to all of our wonderful listeners out there. Yes, Have a great absolutely. one. Absolutely. I hope that uh, Santa brings you some Doctor Who trinkets. As yes, <laughs> indeed. Cheers, everyone. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshop, presented by the fan-run GallifreyEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices now in the iTunes App Store. For more on this and other podcasts, visit arttrap.com. What's this? Well, we so rarely get a chance to celebrate, but this time we must. Celebrate? Yes. It's Christmas. Don't you remember the police station Christmas? So it was, yes. Here's a toast. A happy Christmas to all of us. <laughs> Same to you, Doc. Sir? Incidentally, a happy Christmas to all of you at home. <laughs>